I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I am so excited to be joined by LaFawn Davis, who is Group Vice President of Environmental, Social, and Governance at Indeed. LaFawn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Romy. I'm glad to be here. You have an incredibly accomplished career and a lot of different accolades. Can you tell us about how you got your start? How did you go decide to kind of get involved in the world of technology? And then how did you move up? Sure. I'm happy to talk about my journey. Normally, when I share my journey, I talk about my intersectional dimensions. I'm Black. I'm queer. I'm a woman. I'm a mother of an adult child. I'm a, of a mature age. And... And I'm fabulous. So all of those layers actually helped start my career. I am from San Jose, California. I'm from the Bay Area. And I so got my technology st- was inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I got my start. I started my career in the first dot-com bubble in Burst. And it was a wonderful time, Romy. It was a great time. You could have an idea and you would get a check. Most of those companies don't exist anymore, but it was yes. such a time of innovation. And so I was able to start my career in operations and project management, you know, operational efficiency is my love language I've come to understand. So that is where my, my career started. <laughs> <laughs> and really it was through the burst when a lot of companies went away or got bought that I started to understand what I wanted to do. I still wanted to be in technology. And uh, as an engineering project manager, I lost my job. And I remember thinking, what do I want to do now? Uh, There wasn't a lot of jobs in tech at the time when the bubble burst. I ended up working at a a car rental company doing like claims adjustment and and being like, what do I want to do with myself? (laughs) You know, making, I went from making $90 an hour to making $11.75 an hour. And uh, that's a moment in time, huh? It was a moment. It was a moment, a journey, not my destination, but it was a moment uh, where I got to reevaluate what I wanted to do and what brought me joy, what I was passionate about. I was like, I really want to be in a startup environment, but stable. (laughs) I want to make sure that the company still exists in six months, right? But I loved the atmosphere of a startup. I loved the innovation. I loved just being around really smart people who are very driven. And so that time where I was working in a job that I didn't really care for gave me the, the time to really think about what I wanted. And so I went from there into a semiconductor company. And from there, I went to Google. And that's where I got my first taste of diversity and inclusion work, kind of honing my speaker skills, speaking externally, going on campus with some of the historically Black colleges and universities, and really starting to understand that this passion of mine could actually be a job. <laughs> It wasn't something I experienced before. I had never worked at a company where that was a focus. It was a great place to cut my teeth and really start to understand what I wanted to do. And from there, you know, went to Yahoo and eBay and PayPal, where, mind you, I decided I was tired. I was tired of fighting the good fight. I was tired of, you know, pushing a boulder uphill and explaining to people why diversity was so important and I decided I was going to switch my career because I was, I was sick of it. Romy, I was tired of it. And so I went into communications. Wow. 
which I loved. I, it, it's again, one of those times where I said, what do I love about my job? And what are the things that kind of bring me joy? What am I passionate about? And communications was one of them. Writing was one of them. Understanding that you can have the most genius idea in the world, but if you don't focus on kind of change management and communication, then it doesn't really matter. It will fall flat. So I did that for a little bit and loved it. I ran an employee communications team as eBay split from PayPal. And that was my first time being a part of a separation. It was like a divorce, if you will. You know, mergers and acquisitions are cool, but separation. Those are like weddings. Yeah, right, right. Where everybody's merging. We're figuring out how we're going to decorate our house. It's going to be great. Um, when you separate, it's it's very different. And I'm so grateful for that experience because I don't know if I'll ever have that uh, again. And uh, when we split, I got PayPal in the divorce and I got sucked back in to culture and diversity work, but really got to dive into employee engagement and experience mm -hmm. as well. Um, and that took me to my next role at Twilio, where I focused on culture and inclusion, which brought me to Indeed, which again, the, the focus was really inclusion. But I think when I first came in, just looking at the mission that Indeed has to help all people get jobs, it felt very purpose-driven kind of company, still a tech company, but focused on helping people get jobs, which is fundamental to someone's life. It isn't just about, you know, where you're getting your next dollar from. Uh, you know, there are folks who are close to slipping under the poverty line without the right job or, you know, the right job really helps with their personal relationships and their growth and their um, mental health or emotional health. So it's much broader than just kind of a job for job's sake. And I focused on diversity, inclusion, and belonging, and really driving strategic pillars within the organization, including focusing on product, including focusing on accessibility. It is the place where I've been able to spread my wings and really focus on employee life cycle, looking at the product, looking at our job seekers, focusing on removing bias and barriers. And that is what led me to take on a new role at Indeed called Environmental, Social and Governance, which is a mouthful, but people may have heard of sustainability work or ESG work. And what that means at Indeed is it's environmental sustainability, it's diversity, inclusion and belonging, it is social impact and inclusive hiring, and it is uh, AI ethics as well. Yeah which is really important right now um, and yeah. cutting edge. And so you're back at like the very forefront of technology. Yes. That's my happy place at that kind of zero to one where you don't quite know what you're going to do, but you're going to figure it out. Right. I loved hearing your journey because it's not unlike mine in that I don't have a straight line. I had to trial and error a bunch of different things, right. To figure out the thing that I loved and which turned out to be sales. Went to business school to become a management consultant. Funny that I trialed and errored and just kind of similar epiphanies. The other thing that I loved hearing about your story is that initial kind of moment of going from $90 to an hour down to 11. And that right away, I started thinking about the Indeed Super Bowl ads and how, you know, now you are helping people in that moment, right? You're yes. helping people with those who are managing those transitions. And, and especially think about how devastating this year has been for many people who may have lost their job due to COVID and need to find a new job, helping them land hopefully more gracefully. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a new world right now, right? It's, it's not just like, oh, I need a better job or I want to change my career. This is life-changing 
stuff right now where there's so many people out of work. Um, At the same time, there's also what feels to employers like a talent supply. I think we're going to see a shift in a lot of industries. In April was the highest number of resignations from the retail industry. And that's not because people don't want to work. It is because people need reliable schedules that they can count on. They need reliable hours. They need, you know, a living wage. You know, women have been impacted so significantly during the pandemic because we are often primary caregivers, not just parents, but caregivers in our lives and have had to juggle all of that while also trying to figure out how we can balance work and, you know, focusing on our own mental health as well, since some of us have to work from home or some of us are in these very critical roles for our our country's infrastructure. And so it's just a massive shift right now for what I think companies have to focus on and what I think job seekers are now looking for. Right. It's different. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's exciting and, and kind of uh, uh, alarming at the same time. No question. No question. So when you first spoke about your career journey, you talked about the many ways in which you're intersectional. And I'd love to learn more about how that kind of impacted your professional career along the way. Yeah, honestly, I think so. I actually don't have a college degree. Um, I went to a couple of years of college, but oh. but that's it. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of people would ask me, what what like what degree do I need to get <laughs> to do the kind of job that you do? And I'm like, well, I actually don't have one. But my hands-on education, my life education, is what I have kind of gained over the years. And I think I've been training for this my whole life. I think my you know my my parents are from Berkeley, California, and Oakland, California. Grew up in the civil rights era. Um, I have, you know, aunts who are Black Panthers. We play Black History Month board games at home. It's stuff like that that I, I didn't really think about uh, when I was growing up, but absolutely played a role in fighting for people. You know, even thinking about looking at my dad as an executive and being like, I'm going to I'm going to be the CEO of seven companies when I grow up. That was that was my dream. Uh, <laughs> and <Only> seven <laughs> at the same time, too, at the oh, same time, obviously. seven at the same time. Uh, and and I just think that a lot of the conversations we would have at home or my my interactions as I was growing up and experiencing things like racism, experiencing things like misogyny and you know, as I started to come out in my life, understanding homophobia and all of the isms and phobias, as I call them now, uh, ableism, transphobia, all of those things uh, started to really hit me along the way uh, as I was kind of growing up and getting into my career. And so I think that's what developed my passion, my calling for creating spaces of equity so that we can actually get to the place of equality. I will often say without equity, there is no equality. And I think that was, those were the kind of the moments that made me go, okay, like I could go, when I was going to school, I was going to school for international business. And uh, I really believed that I, and I was going to try to learn to speak Japanese. It was a whole situation. Uh, (laughs) Very big in the (laughs) nineties. Wasn't it? It was very big. I was like, okay, this is my path because this is the direction that we're going to head that we're going to head as a country. And so I'm going to get ahead of it. But, but all of that, all, all of that, my experiences, the education that I do have, what I experienced growing up in life, that actually is what led me to doing this work. Because I think if you don't have anyone to focus on it, if you don't have people who are trying to drive 
change that is systemic, right? Because it's it's not like there's a little issue here or there. Um, it's not like this is brand new in 2021. These are historical systemic issues globally that affect people based on who they are and where they come from and their culture and the language they speak. And that just became so foundational for me. But I, I can always like hearken it back to me growing up and the environment that I was in and my parents making sure that I knew who I was. Even um, was learning about code switching before it was called code switching. So my, my dad used to call it being bilingual. And he was like, when you go to work, you're going to speak a different way. When you're at school, a different way. When you're at home, a different way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And and so learning kind of those concepts early really did help give me the foundation that I needed um, to do the work that I do, which is around, you know, helping to fight for people. But now it's also, you know, fighting for the planet and looking at societal change and all that kind of good stuff. You know, kind of asking a question on behalf of our users, one of the, the, the topics that I see discussed on our feed a lot is about being the only in the room mm-hmm. and how that can be difficult. What's your kind of practical advice, since we're now in this weird hybrid thing, could be in the <laughs> Zoom or whatever, where wherever we are? Yeah, that's, that's really tough to be the only because you're always conscious of it, even if no one else is. And so my advice when you are the only is to kind of stand in that and understand your uniqueness, your voice and perspective is going to be different than anyone else in the room. And that's a good thing. You know, it may feel like uh, you're uncomfortable because you're not surrounded by other people who look like you, talk like you, act like you, come from where you come from. But um, there is so much power in that. Why would you want to be the normal? Why would you want to be part of what everybody else looks like and thinks like? And so I think if you remember that, you'll be able to move through those rooms easier. Yeah. Um, And also helping the majority of the room understand what it's like. I I had a manager one time say, you know, I want to get more involved. And we call our employee resource groups IRGs, inclusion resource groups. He was saying, I, you know, I want to go to the events, but I'm the only one that looks like me and I don't know. And it feels a little uncomfortable. And I said, stand in that. Yeah. Feel yeah. how uncomfortable that feels because that's something that, you know, people that are underrepresented go through every single day and then lean into it, right? Yeah. Because you obviously have something in common. You're in the same room, right? If you're at the same company, if you're in this thing on the same team, whatever it is, you have something in common with whoever you think looks different than you or speaks different than you. So lean into that discomfort and then get to understand the similarities and how you can connect. Because a, a tenet of the only or feeling like you're othered is feeling like you don't belong. Yeah. yeah. Right. And everyone should feel like they belong. Belonging is an end state, just like equality is an end state. And so when you are the only, you still belong. You belong in every single room that you walk into. You just need to figure out how you are connected and how you can lean into that so that you can help other people understand your, your place of belonging and your connectedness besides the fact that you're the only or your otherness. That's great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Another question that I see asked among our users a lot is about how do I find mentors? How do I suss out mentors? And especially in this hybrid working environment, 
what advice do you have on that? Maybe you could tell us about some of the people who mentored you along the way. Yeah, so I I think I was, especially young in my career, Romeo was like, I got to find a mentor, 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 right? I was like on this search for, for mentorship. And what I had to learn is it doesn't really work that way. Mm. What I now have is more like a board of directors. I love that. I have um, mentors in the traditional way. Most people think of mentors as someone who is imparting wisdom from on high um, to you based on, you know, it's where you want to be, right? You get a mentor who is in a space that you want to be in. But mentors can come in so many different forms. Um, There is the mentor who is where you want to be, but there's also peer mentorship. There's also, you know, I've learned a lot from the people that I have have been my mentees Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as I have learned from my mentors. Um, And and there are folks who, you know, I call my squad, who are other folks who are doing this work, who are fighting the good fight, who are trying to do good for this world and leaning on them for support. How are you doing this? Or what are you doing? Or, um, you know, just dropping tea, talking about shade, like <laughs> getting all it. of that out, connecting yeah. in that way. And it, it really is a full support system as opposed to um, relying on the mentor relationship to cover everything. Um, and I've had some great mentors in my life. One of the ones I talk about a lot is Stacey Brown Philpot. She oh, yes. was at Google with me and she also uh, was the CEO of TaskRabbit. She just stepped down recently from that position and she's phenomenal. And she just would be very, <laughs> very real with me. I remember when I was contemplating uh, leaving Google, when she was already on her way out. And she said, you know, you can do what you're doing here somewhere else. Mm. And I was like, nah, when you're at a company like Google that people are fighting their way into, you don't leave lightly. It's a tough decision. And you kind of drink the Kool-Aid when you join a company like that. And you really do believe that the work that you're doing, you cannot do anywhere else. And, you know, she would get me out of, of ruts like that. And if there was anything that I, that I wanted to go for, she always had my back. How can I support you? What can I do for you? I most recently am like, you know, I kind of want to get on some public boards. She's like, I got you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with that. What do you want? What are you looking for? You know, what skill sets are you going to bring to an organization? She's been my mentor since 2006. (laughs) So like that mentor relationship hasn't stopped, but some mentor relationships last a couple quarters or maybe they last a year, but you should surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Get your board of directors, get your squad, get the people that are going to help you remember when you start having imposter syndrome, which we all have at some points in our lives and our careers, that you have those people that are going to tell you, you are amazing. You are smart. You are driven. You are ambitious. And this is what you are meant to do. Like you need those people. And it can't just be that that one mentor in your life. For sure. So you mentioned you have an adult child, which is in and of itself an incredible accomplishment and also hard to believe (laughs) because you don't look like you have an adult child. (laughs) Talk to us about work-life balance kind of now and then also along the way. How did you manage having this huge career and raising a child at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Romy, I have to say like the parents that are raising children right now, like school age children right now or toddlers, you deserve all the awards 
I think what we've learned is that teachers deserve a million dollars a year. We knew um, that, well, but well, hopefully somebody will actually take action on that now. <laughs> absolutely. That is something I, well, I feel I think, very strongly you know, about. Teachers can be a, almost a thankless job in a way. They're setting the foundation for our children. And I think what we also found in parents having children in the home for, what are we going on, a year and a half of this pandemic, is there was so much more than just the academics that children were learning, their social skills, right? Their friendships that they were making, their moments and their memories. And so I honestly cannot imagine uh, raising my son during this time. I I don't know if I would have kept it together. (laughs) So I I really admire uh, the parents that are going through right now, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I was a single parent for a long time and you know, trying to raise him. And I had him in all the sports and all the things because he had a lot of energy. And also, you know, there's a lot of pressure raising a a young black man. Of course. I will often say, you know, I have this adult child and statistically he should be in jail or, or gone. And that's a lot of pressure, right? When you're trying to like, okay, what am I going to do for my career? And how do I balance this out with making sure that he grows up to be a good human? And that wasn't easy. I, I don't believe in work-life balance. I think it's all about integration. Mm-hmm. This balance, sometimes people feel like they got a 50-50 it, but it's not that. It, it's going to ebb and flow. And there are times where you have to put your family first and your children first. There are times where you're going to put your career first and be able to kind of integrate what that means. And, you know, hopefully I've given him some tools along the way where he was able to see me in action see me as a woman in business and be inspired by that. Like I was inspired by my dad and wanted to be CEO of seven companies at the same time. My hope is that he was able to see my journey and my struggle and do it better and do it differently in his life. So it's it's a lot of pressure. And I think what parents really have to focus on right now is self-care. Yeah. And not in the hashtag self-care way. I mean, really focusing on what are the things that can help you reset? What are the things that help you focus on you for a bit? What are the things that will help rejuvenate you so that you can be your best mother, so you can be your best employee as well? Because there's that myth, right? There's that bias, maternal wall that says you can't be a good mother, you can't be a good employee at the same time. And I call on that. I think you can be phenomenal at both. It just might not look like you had imagined it. It might not look like this rigorous schedule. It might look like however you need to get it done. And it ends up being beautiful along the way. My son is, he's gorgeous. He has a beautiful, beautiful heart. And I know that he is going to, you know, be the man that he wants to be and be happy. And that is the biggest reward. All the sacrifice, all the things, all the worry in working and raising him is worth it when you see the amazing individual that they become. Well, I'm having all the feels here uh, (laughs) and that's super inspiring. So with that, I'm going to go some fast, fun questions now. So here we go to that point. What is your favorite way to practice self-care? Meditating and manifesting. So I will sit with myself. I check in with myself. uh, How am I feeling physically? You know, I've definitely gained the quarantine insert number, Um, but checking in with myself physically, mentally, emotionally, thinking about like, what state am I in? Am I in a place of joy? Am I in a place of anxiety or worry? What do I do about that? You know, and again, thinking about 
where do I want to be? What do I want to do? And that to me just resets me yeah. um, and really helps me focus on whatever I have ahead. Yeah. And sometimes it's just good to know and acknowledge where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have anxiety today. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Or I'm sad today or I'm not okay. Or, you know, or I'm like, how are you doing today? There's two right things, right? Good or fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just go, I'm okay. Or I'm not okay today. Yeah. Right. And you may not feel comfortable doing that with other people because you might not want them to know your business, yeah. but at least do that with yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, LaFon, what is your karaoke song? Okay. Love Shack by the B-52s. Tin roof, rusted. That's right. (laughs) You got to get to that part, right? A fast follow, though, is The Boss by James Brown. Yeah, great. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a book you would like to recommend to our audience? Oh, absolutely. The Prophets by Robert Jones. So Robert Jones is actually my bestie-in-law. He is the best friend of my wife. And it is a phenomenal read about two enslaved men in love. And I don't want to give anything away. It's just fantastic. And you need to go get it. <laughs> Amazing. I, I definitely will. And then is there a celebrity you would like to have dinner with, dead or alive? Oh, that's hard. Prince. I Great got one. to see him on his last tour at Madison Square Garden. And he's the only person that I think could get away with wearing like yoga pants and a sequence top and still look phenomenal. He was a musical genius and just, just the attitude, the, the flair, all of that. I just would love to talk to him over some dinner and wine. Yeah. Really like a pioneer of authenticity. Oh yeah. Pretty incredible. It was just him. Amazing. All right. So LaFon, now we have a fairy god boss tradition. And here's the context. So the story, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, we talked about imposter syndrome. We know mm-hmm. that women are just not as good at taking credit for our achievements or bragging about ourselves. And I am sitting here looking at your pronouns, just so everyone knows they are she, her queen. Correct. <laughs> so LaFon, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I know this is not easy, but I'm going to ask you to brag about yourself. Tell us what's amazing about you. Tell us about your accomplishments, what you're great at, what you're proud of. Well, okay. (laughs) Um, I will say, I think women are uncomfortable with bragging because of bragging. So bragging typically means that you just kind of, I'm so cool, (laughs) right? It's It's not tangible. It's not tangible. It's hot air. Exactly. It, It could feel a little hollow, right? And so I think that's why we're uncomfortable with it. But I would encourage women that are, that are listening to this to, instead of bragging, like step into your power, remember who you are and remind others of the same. And so that's different, right? That's not bragging. It's not hollow. So when I think about it that way, then it's not hard for me to say, you know, although I don't have a college degree, I am a vice president at a very, very successful company. I was able to raise my son into adulthood successfully I do really great work, really great work. And I love being from that zero to one and figuring out problems that no one else has figured out yet. I love taking on really large, broad reaching initiatives, things that I know will not just be something cool or something that happens for the moment, but something that is going to change the lives of others. I know my calling. I know my purpose. And 
I have stepped into that. That is what my career journey has really been all about. Um, I'm pretty fabulous. I know people won't be able to see me, but I will attest to it. You are fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I have a phenomenal wife. I have a fantastic family. I have great friends. I have a great support system, a wonderful squad. Life is beautiful. And large in part, it's because I've done a lot of work on myself, on my journey. And I don't have a problem talking about that when I step into it. But, you know, bragging, I would be a little like, oh, I'm cool. I'm all right. I think you did a great job. You did a great job. And my hope, my purpose is to get all women more comfortable talking about our accomplishments. So you have been a great role model for us today, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Romy. appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So our last question, Lafon, is if you were to just boil it down, the one piece of advice you think our audience should take and hold on to and think about as they try to move through their careers in 2021, what is it? Trust your gut. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the women that will be listening to this are going through lots of different things in lots of different ways. Uh, We are in an interesting space in the pandemic and what is happening in the world. Make decisions, you know, that are logical, but always trust your gut. Your gut is your intuition, right? Your gut is your core. And so if something doesn't feel right, it's not for you. And that doesn't mean that there isn't another door for you, but it's not for you if your gut is telling you that it's not. Love it. Lafon, it has been incredible to hear your story, your journey, and to hear about how we should all take ownership of our status, how we can all be better advocates, um, and infuse more positivity into our jobs, our lives, our world. So um, it's been a pleasure to spend time with you today. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Romy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.